now. Hey, you're listening to another episode of the Total Basis Podcast, and with me is my co-host, Austin Spiro. Austin, how are you doing this evening? I'm all right, Felipe. Long day of work, but I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? Well, you know how the song goes, man. Work sucks. I know she brought me roses to the... <laughs> anyway, I am Felipe. I did not introduce myself properly, and this is the Total Basis Podcast. Uh, we are streaming live from the Baseball Live Facebook group. As you know, Austin, it is the best baseball group on facebook so it it really is yeah uh well tell us all about it man how did you uh how did you bump into us um so i had just recently gotten facebook i haven't had social media for very long i think i got it i think i've only had it for a few years and um I had just missed talking about baseball and I think I've said it either on my podcast round trippers podcast or on yours. Maybe I've said it on both. Um, I know a lot about baseball and you know, I've lived my life either playing baseball or watching baseball or so I've studied the game all my life. And when I talk to regular people about baseball, I sound like I'm crazy, <laughs> you know? So I thought, well, maybe, and I hadn't joined any groups on Facebook, so I thought maybe a group on Facebook would be good. And I joined a couple baseball groups, you know, they seem pretty big and whatever. And a lot of the other Facebook groups, like if you mention anything, like they're quick to bash you. Like it was really, really like, it was terrible. Like all they wanted to do was argue with you. And it was, I didn't like it. And I just happened to stumble upon baseball life, just looking for baseball groups. And I just really liked the fact that we could all talk about baseball. And there's a lot of very competent baseball fans that know the game or how to talk about the game or can at least they may have a hot take, but they can they can have numbers to back it up, you know, or they have something to back some it up. Evidence, data, yeah, some um, sort of evidence, whether it's statistical or not. Or and narrative, I yeah. just I just enjoyed the conversation in baseball life. So I ditched all the other baseball groups and here I am in baseball life. And now, you know, what is it? Two years later, I have my own podcast and then I'm here talking with with you. Yeah. Funny how that started. I remember you uh, been. Uh, we, we, actually be waking up super early on the West coast just to listen to Sean and I, Sean and I talk about fantasy baseball. I'm like, Hey, this kid's a regular, you know, he's always on. And then he's like, Hey, I never done fantasy baseball before. I think I'm going to start after listening to your show. Like, okay, by all means. And then I defeated you in the, uh, in the newbie league, you know, I mean, do we, do we really have to talk about home field advantage again? (laughs) Hey man, you could have won all those games. Like I won all those games, you know, Yeah, whatever. But anyway, one, one game behind one game <laughs> almost doesn't count, brother. You got to, yeah. you know, ask the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays yeah. um, as my as my former baseball coach used to say, almost only counts in horseshoes, gr- hand grenades and scuds. Uh, all right. OK, <laughs> that's what he used uh, to tell me. Well, like Brandon used to say, almost doesn't count. <laughs> and then uh, she'd go on to sing with Monica and about boys and stuff anyway i'm so as i am uh trying my best not to go off a tangent here but yeah uh you know one of the things i tell people is like we try to build a family atmosphere and you mentioned it like you know people it's a different group right it's a different facebook group where people can discuss and i think the admins you know especially me i am the best admin in this group i'm just gonna go out there and say i am the best (laughs) everything you see there is it has my thumbprint and my not just joking but it is something that we wanted to do because we we're just like you man we were in all these other baseball groups and 
they were trash and, and and everybody just you know going after people's families and making fun of other people's you know wives and kids and it got ugly so we wanted to do something different as you and you are experiencing that so-called life group difference that i kind of yeah. uh, coined a long time ago um just as a first as a joke but then it just became a pattern like hey there's something special going on here and what uh, we established in 2017 and five years later uh, we're still rolling and you know making for you know in a small way we're we're uh we're, we're impacting people's lives you know total strangers that we meet strangers like you i haven't i didn't know that you existed until you joined our group so right yeah anyway let's talk about some real baseball yeah let's do it all right can you see my screen because as all you know right. i can see your screen we already yes. got a couple people watching what's up larry what's up Corey? oh larry's here Corey decker Corey richmond oh uh, uh, even better, Corey Richmond, uh, uh, the Workshop Podcast. I think their run is over, but you want to know, you want to talk wrestling, talk with Corey Richmond. He he'll uh, he knows a lot about wrestling. So, uh, as you guys know, this is a spreadsheet driven show because uh, we don't just you know talk out of our asses. We back it up, like Austin said, with data and and statistics. And right now, this is just a simple spreadsheet, you know, uh, like we've been doing, you know. Uh, trying to gauge who the best players at each position was. And for starting pitching, what I did was, again, number of wins, you got 10 points for leading the league. You got nine points for finishing in second, eight points for being in third, and so on and so forth. Uh, there was a, what is that? Uh, a, a one million, no, eight-man tie uh, for, what, sixth place, I guess. So that's why they got, all these players got five points. So, But as you can see, Dawson, Julio Urias got the most wins. And the 2021 campaign. And I know that wins are an archaic uh, way to look at pitchers, but uh, anybody on this list of 13 players who finish in the top 10, so to speak, was like the big 10 conference here, but anybody, anybody um, catch your eye there. This, I think this group of wins or this group of players here is the reason why you should not trust only wins or you shouldn't put a lot of stock in wins in terms of pitcher performance throughout a given season, because in any other statistic, Kyle or in a lot of other statistics, Kyle Hendricks is actually one of the worst performers in 2021. And yet he's, uh, he's in a whatever eight man tie for sixth place on the list of wins in all of MLB. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, contribute to a win and it's not necessarily a pitcher he just happens to stand on the mound and go the qualified amount of innings to and you know when they won so the, the I mean the one that surprises me the most is Kyle Hendricks but I mean there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people here like Hyunjin Ryu if you look at some of the other statistics you don't really see Ryu don't really see Mats Flexen had a good year he was on a few um, a little bit um, but Kyle Hendricks is the one that really bounces out at me because most other statistics, Kyle Hendricks is one of the worst pitchers in 2021. Yeah, there you go. And that was the big argument at the, uh, when we did the draft uh, between Sean and I, uh, as he was, uh, a lot of people were uh, at the beginning of the year, back in March, coming after me for picking Kevin Gossman over guys like Ken Yu, Jin Ryu and Kyle Hendricks and all those guys. And like, nah, I am happy with Kevin Gossman. I mean, I mean, that was a big, the big thing that Sean always had on me. Well, at least Kyle Hendricks has more wins than Kevin Gossman. And no, they have about the same amount now. What's up? What's <laughs> right? up? 
even from a traditional standpoint, you, you got nothing on Kevin Gosman. All those other pitches were bumps. Felipe was right. You guys can all suck it. Uh, but yeah, Chris Flexen is the weird one for me. I did not expect a Chris Flexen to uh, be a league leader in anything. But, you know, the Mariners were good, and I'm pretty sure he was a big part of it. So with that being said, let's move to another traditional statistic, and that's ERA, where, you know, I mean, Corbin Burns and Max Scherzer are at the top of the list. That's no surprise. Walker Bueller, Brandon Woodruff, and Lance Lynn. And as you can see, minimum is 150 innings that I use here. I, I, I don't think that's uh, uh, that, that, that counts as a qualifying uh, mark in terms of fan grabs and the official statistics. But as you know, Austin, I like to lower the qualifier just so I can see more names, more pitchers, more right. players, other names that we might have missed that might make a push for next season. We shall see. But there you go. There's your top five. So I ask you the same question from this list of the top 10 and ERA uh, all the way down on Marcus Stroman. Uh, who's your big surprise there that you didn't expect to see here for ERA? Probably. Um, I mean, this one's tough. Uh, Stroman probably mm. um, not because he's a bad pitcher, but because like there are years that he has struggled. Um, you know, I, I want to say Lynn because Lynn's getting up there a little bit and he relies a lot on the fastball. So when you have a pitcher that relies a lot on the fastball, the ERA tends to go up a little bit. Um, but other than that, I think Lynn and Stroman are the ones that jump out at me. And then obviously Robbie Ray, I guess you can throw in there. Robbie Ray had a Cy Young caliber year. And I was talking to somebody on the, on the baseball life podcast when they were talking about the angels should go for Robbie Ray and, um, or there was a meme that the angels should go for Robbie Ray. Cause he's a free agent this year. I said, well, Robbie Ray is a little too inconsistent. I think for the angels to give it a shot, but I mean, I think he'd be worth a little shot, but I don't think we should pay him too much money in the angels's case. And they were like, well, Robbie Ray had a Cy Young caliber year this year. He's, he, he's uh, possibly going to win the Cy Young this year. Like, yeah, this year, if you look at his last three years, they've either been decent or terrible. So you know, that is Robbie Ray has been the surprise of the season. So I guess those are the three Lance Lynn, Robbie Ray, and Marcus Stroman. So I always had faith in Robbie Ray, just a matter of him putting together, controlling those walks. It's Marcus Stroman uh, who is uh, the big surprise, just sneaking into the top 10 for me. As I, Marcus Stroman's always been someone, I guess he came up with like a high pedigree and a lot of promise when he was with the Blue Jays, but it, it always seemed like he was a guy that. You know, I guess you could say the same thing about Robbie Ray, but for me, it has to be Marcus Stroman just because I, it seemed like he was on the dip, man, that he was dipping, that he was already declining. Uh, there was really nothing special. He's a small guy. So it's like, you know, I, I don't trust you, man. But you know what? He lacks in size and probably stuff at this point of his career. He way, way more than makes up for it. And, and those intangibles that people love and you know, has that bulldog mentality, has that ace mentality. Uh, is he really an ace? No, but you know, you know what it is. Uh, there, Austin is. He reminds you. You ever watch those little those cartoons from the old days, and they always have that little anamorphic, anthropomorphic uh, character, the little yeah. guy, and he always has the biggest bite and the biggest bark just to make up for the size factor. That's Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is like the scrappy do of the MLB. Hey, there you. He's the scrappy do of starting pitchers of 2021. Marcus <laughs> Scrappy Do Stroman. I love that. <laughs> just uh, has oh, a constant chip on his shoulder for no reason just like and i know yankee fans love him a lot too so yeah oh yeah it'll be interesting to see what he draws in terms of um contract wise and even interest in in the free agent market this year with you know max scherzer and 
um, people like that on the on the market as well. I'll be interested to see what uh, pitchers like him and John Gray get uh, in this free agent market. Well, Mar- I feel like Marcus Stroman is such a chip on his shoulder, scrappy dude kind of guy that he will purposely take a two-year, $30 million contract just to prove a point to the haters. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I, that's how much I think about Marcus Stroman. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I think uh, the, the other athlete, I think, with that chip on his shoulder that I would compare him to is Kevin Durant. Yeah, you but know, Kevin... Kevin Durant always is, has like that social media presence where he's got a back. He's like got to bite back at the haters and stuff. I don't know. Marcus Stroman and Kevin Durant have always reminded me of each other. <laughs> well, Kevin Durant is actually big and he's actually good. Like he's actually yeah. has athletic ability that I don't know. I, I just don't picture Marcus Stroman uh, with that same, uh, those same attributes that Kevin Durant has. Right. And when, you know, when Kevin Durant, when you're the best, one of the best players in the NBA, I think, as you, if you guys don't know, I am like the biggest Kevin Durant fan. You have that right to do whatever the hell you want on social media. Marcus Stroman, on the other hand, what's he done? Nothing for nobody. What, a WBC victory? Oh, good for you, Marcus. Good for you. <laughs> right, writing the coattails of Giancarlo Staten and Kristen Yelich and Adam Jones over there. Okay. Uh, we move on to the whip. Whip. Uh, one, no surprise again. Uh, this time it's Max Scherzer at top, Corbin Burns in second. It was uh, they were flip flopped in the ERA, but for Whip it's Scherzer, and then for uh, in second was Burns, followed by Burns's teammate Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, and Zach Wheeler round out the top five. You're gonna see these names a lot, yeah. a lot in these statistical categories. So let's see how many people qualify here for 13. Uh, you see Jose Barrios uh, making the list at the bottom. So with Chris Bassett, Adam Wainwright, uh, Charlie Morton, who almost retired last year, came back and turned out to be uh, just what the Atlanta Braves needed, you know? Yep. So that veteran presence, that, that you know, that ace, uh, quasi ace that they were looking for while they, Max Reed and uh, Ian Anderson and the other Braves starting pitchers, young pitchers were trying to figure themselves out. But I guess I would have to say Chris Bassett. Even although you know what it is awesome with Chris Bassett, every time he's been, uh, what's the what's the what's the correct narrative here? Like he, people have been doubting him for like the last two three years, and all he does is put up results, right? Exactly. Uh, anything. I mean, you're an Angels fan. You see him a lot. Uh, what 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 do you make of Chris Bassett? I like Chris Bassett. I've always liked Chris Bassett as a pitcher. He's very much a typical A's type pitcher, but he does put up results. Um, he, you know, he consistently goes out there. And I mean, I even have all the more respect to him after he got drilled in the face this year by a line drive and came back in the same season. There aren't very many people that can do that. Um, and two people did that last year, Kevin Pillar getting hit in the face and is it, was it Pilar? Yeah, it was Pilar and Chris Bassett getting hit on them. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody has ever taken a, anybody that's listening has ever taken a 109 mile an hour fastball to the face, uh, you know, 60 feet, six inches away. But that hurts like you're going to there's going to be some damage. So the fact that he was able to come back after, you know, a few weeks or a couple months and and pitch at the end of the year for the A's, it's it's pretty respectable. Yeah. I mean, hard to argue, and he keeps putting up results even when it when it, when it shows that he shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, just based on the, uh, I mean, the, we like I like to keep things simple here, Austin. In case you haven't noticed, uh, for pitchers, you either you either have the stuff or you have craft. 
And Bassett is more crafty than, you know, a guy who, I, I mean, this is just the way I, I view him. I, I might be wrong. If you guys want to prove me wrong, tell me that I'm wrong, go ahead and tell me. I don't care. Just uh, like we always mentioned, bring the evidence and bring the facts. But for me, Chris Bassett's always been a, just seems like a crafty guy and who lacks a lot of stuff. And that's how he makes up for it. And uh, those guys, you know, well, that's another show for another time, whether you believe in the stuff or the craft and the location is more important. Uh, I know Eno Saris over there at The Athletic always has been touting the fact that the biggest uh, predictor of consistency from year to year uh, in Major League Baseball pitchers has been is always stuff and not craft and not location. It's stuff. It's can you throw the ball hard? Can you do you have a nasty slider? Do you have a nasty curveball? Do you have a deceptive change up that no one can catch up to or or? Uh, can they can uh, can they figure out where the changeup's going, and 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 again in terms of fastball, does it rise and can it go up to the high nineties? That's all we care about. Stuff. Do you have it? Guts. But um, Bassett, you know, like I mentioned, I feel like he's all craft. I mean, am, am I am, is that the wrong assessment of Chris Bassett there, Austin? Or do you have a different? I, f- I feel like he's he's a typical A's pitcher because he's such a crafty pitcher. Yeah. The, I mean, when you look at the A's pitching staff, there isn't anybody there that's going to blow them away. They've got Sean Manaya, they've got Chris Bassett, they've got you know they've got all these crafty pitchers that aren't going to blow you away, but they've got you know they've got you know secondary pitches. Um, that can, you know, that look deceiving and they've got, you know, good fastball location that is, that makes it really difficult for hitters to hit the baseball. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good assessment of Chris Bassett and that's why he fits that A's pitching staff. Well, the reason that the A's like to go with a lot of crafty pitchers is because they're cheap. They're cheaper than actually going yeah. for guys with real talent and real stuff and who can light up a radar gun. And to their credit, they do a good job of stocking those bullpen arms with the guys with the big velocities that is they, true. they're not but again relief pitches are relatively cheaper than starting pitchers anyway we're we're talking uh free agency that's for another show for another time but another guy that surprised me jose barrios who people were kind of uh, dogging the blue jays a lot for trading for the guy giving up two prospects but uh if you believe if, for those people who always tell me that whip is the best indicator of talent there you go jose barrios finishes in top 10 in whip. So I don't want to hear it from the haters who hate Jose Barrios, who also tell the traditional stats like whip, which it's crazy to think that traditionally speaking, that whip is now a traditional stat when it really isn't. It's 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 pretty brand new as far as I'm concerned. But right. I I feel like it's more of a it's not a traditional, but it's not quite advanced anymore. Yeah, so. it's, it's somewhere in between. It's like a, a balance. Yeah. It's like the way people uh feel about on base percentage, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's actually a good question. When was whip in baseball invented? Well, you're looking that up. Well, the other thing that I noticed in terms of whip anyway, I didn't, I didn't look in terms of ERA and stuff, but um, there are 13 pitchers that qualified for the top 10, right? So you had four people, qual- um, four right. people right there tied for what? 10th. And um, so of those 13 people, four of them are AL pitchers. The rest is NL pitchers. I feel like this year, the pitching was really dominated by the NL. And yeah. you know, we're going to get to the, we're going to get to the picks for starting pitcher and relief pitcher and stuff like that. And we talked, and we talked about it in private where the, you, uh, you were like, man, there's a lot of NL in your picks. And I'm like, yeah, that's because the, the, the top leaderboards, no matter where you look is littered with NL pitchers that you don't see very many AL pitchers. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And you want to think that it's something that uh, that is that just fluctuates from year to year. Sometimes the AL will be more pitching dominant than the NL, but you got to start wondering if it's just because the NL uh, they don't provide enough depth for their position players because they have pitchers hitting still. Yeah, they have pitchers hitting like it's eighteen twenty one or something. I will be really interested to see the roster construction difference for NL teams when they get the universal DH. I can't wait. Can't wait. Done with this nonsense. Let let the pitchers hit. Just just put a T ball up there for them just so it could be more competitive. (laughs) By the way, uh, I I was looking to see on base percentage. Nah, but who knows when that was invented? I can't get a straight answer, but whip was invented in 1979, apparently. And it was a stat created for fantasy baseball purposes. Oh, interesting. According to the Google machine here. Uh, so it's a ratio machine, uh, ratio uh, statistic. Uh, and 1979 was that about 40 years ago at this point. And yet, yeah. so depending on who you talk to, it's either like an, another one of them schmancy, fancy advanced statistics, or it's one of the last dying breed of the traditional statistics that traditionalists like to use. I don't know. It's weird. Base, baseball talk is weird. Strikeouts. Robbie Ray led the league. Uh, I mean, I, I like I said, I had faith in the guy. It just if he can just control his walks and keep him in check, I guess he always had. I mean, yeah, he's always had very high strikeout per nine inning uh, uh, statistics. Uh, but to lead the entire league in strikeouts, that that that's kind of like wow. That the year of Robbie Ray in terms of the uh, counting stats there. I wish I had the superlative in front of me when it ca- when it comes to Robbie Ray, but he reached a milestone strikeout career strikeout count this this year, and uh, he was the fastest pitcher to do it in MLB history. But I don't remember which which one it was. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but I thought that was really surprising. I was like, really? Okay, all right. Well, you know that's good for him. So you know, good for Robbie Ray. He's finding his strikeout stuff. Um, and yeah, good for Robbie Ray. Yeah. Uh, another surprise Dylan sees who also came equipped with a pretty high K per nine inning. Uh, but the other, the, the knock on Dylan sees is that he seems like forever in a day has constant command problems. Not, not, not necessarily control. problems. I mean, he does have that, but it's just the being able to, uh, move the ball in and out of the strike zone and, and do swings. It seems like people are just kind of sitting on that fastball and not falling for those sliders. And, and yet he's still finished in the top 10 and strikeout. So good for him. Aaron Nola also finishes in the top 10, which uh, my buddy, Sean used to say about him that he's not really an ace. He's a kind of like a pseudo ace or not a, a real ace. I don't know, man, top 10 in strikeouts. That's pretty ace. Like to me, buddy. Right. I don't know if that's the Mets fan in him talking, or if he just really doesn't like Aaron Nola. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was, um, so I know I talked last, uh, last episode about the, um, number that, uh, Jonathan Lee and I have been discussing and that Jonathan, um, created himself. And I kind of got curious if I could create my own number for pitchers. Um, I haven't really, um, quite nailed down the, the all around pitchers, but I tried to do ground out, uh, or ground ball, fly ball and strikeout pitchers. I think I found a pretty good, um, strikeout pitching statistic. It takes into consideration, uh, called strikes, mm. swinging strikes and strikeouts. Oh, wow. um, and then you find the harmonic average and stuff like that to figure out who the best, uh, 
uh, what do you call it? Strikeout pitchers are. So the top 10 is, uh, first one is, uh, for the 2021 season. This is what I've got. Obviously this is a rudimentary statistic there. There might be holes in it, but you're, you're looking at the who's who of, of strikeout pitchers here. So according to this statistic, the top one is Garrett Cole, then Robbie, then Robbie Ray, Zach Wheeler at number three, Max Scherzer, at number four, Kevin, your man, Kevin Gosman at number ha! five. That's right. <laughs> Corbin Burns at number six, Dylan Cease at number seven, Aaron Nola, number eight, Walker Bueller, number nine, rounding out the top 10, Mr. Old, old man time himself, Charlie Morton. Look at that, man. It's, it's the top 10 that's listed in here in terms of strikeouts. So you, you would have just, you should, I mean, it sounds like you could have just sorted it by strikeouts and you would have gotten almost the, yep. the exact same result there. So. Almost. Then that's yeah. what I mean. This is a very rudimentary statistic. And I'm not even sure if it's the right thing you should consider when looking at a strikeout pitcher. Um, I'm still working on it. Yeah, we'll keep working on it, man. Well, let's uh, figure out what the results are. In the meantime, I do have a statistic of my own. I like to call this the four by five heroes. And, you know, as you know, Austin, this is a fantasy baseball podcast at heart. So wins, ERA, whips, strikeouts. The only thing that we're missing from this is the saves. But that's for the relief pitchers who we'll get to in just a moment. But this is pretty much what you're looking for when you're drafting a pitcher for fantasy baseball purposes. And I like to imagine that that's what people are looking for in terms of uh, real life, especially if you're considering wins. A lot of old fogies still use the wins category. But there they are, your best starting pitchers in terms of fantasy traditional 5x5, or in this case, 4x5, your 4x5 heroes. Max Scherzer, number one. Zach Wheeler and Corbin Burns tied for second. Walker Bueller at four. Kevin Gossman at number five. And Garrett Cole and Julio Urias are tied for sixth. Um, so, yeah, the list goes on forever, forever and a day, all the way down to Marcus Stroman, who we just talked about. So a lot of these guys we already talked about. Let's move on to the advanced stats now. Oh, no, the advanced stats. Well, too bad. <laughs> this is the way it is now. And I, I, I felt when I was doing this that the advanced stats, as always, for me at least personally, was a better indicator of who was a really good pitcher in 2021 than the traditional stats that we just looked at. But let's, you know, equal opportunity time. So let's take a look. F4, that's the Fangraphs Ward, the all-encompassing, all-everything statistics that they like to use over there at Fangraphs. Uh, wins above replacement. Corbin Burns at number one. Zach Wheeler. Nathan Novaldi, who was not mentioned in any of these other categories, the, the counting stats, the traditional stats, so to speak. Nathan Novaldi, third place in F4. Walker Buell in fourth. Max Scherzer in fifth. Garrett Cole, Julio Rios, Kevin Gossman, Brandon Woodruff, and Charlie Morton to round out the top ten. Uh, do you have anything to say about these 10 pitchers that I just listed here? Um, Nathan Eovaldi, um, I think he had a very misleading, actually pretty good season. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at more of the advanced statistics, he has a he has an ERA in the threes. But, um, of course, we're going to get to FIP here in a second. But his FIP is in the mid-high twos, which is telling me that, he had a good season in terms of him, him pitching alone. What let him down was the defense behind him. So I would be really interested to see if the um, if he was on a different team, a different defensive team, let's say, I don't know, the Cardinals or somebody like that, if Nathan Eovaldi would have uh, shown up more on some of these on some of these leaderboards. Let's see here. Moving on. Speaking of FIP, you mentioned it. Let's get going. Uh, again, Corbin Burns. You know, for those who are listening to audio only, might as well just spoil it for you. 
Corbin Burns and the four categories that we're going to talk about dominated each and every one of those. Finishing in first place in F4, field independent pitching, XFIP, or otherwise known as expected field independent pitching, and Sierra, the skills interactive ERA. So, uh, and what's field independent pitching? And the dumbest way I can explain it, it's basically can a pitcher strike out guys, control their walks, control their home runs, and not hit so many damn batters? Corbin Burns fit that category just fine in that statistic. Uh, and then once again, Zach Wheeler finishing in second, Nathan Ovaldi finishing in third, Garrett Cole finishing in fourth, and then Brandon Woodruff rounds out the top five. Uh, some other surprises here. No, it's uh, pretty much a who's who of dominant pitchers. I mean, Charlie Morton, once again, old man Charlie, proving that he's not old just yet, that the retirements were ju- uh, the retirement talk was just a rumor that was not meant to be taken seriously, I guess. But I don't know. I feel like he was close. He was pretty darn close to retiring last year. XFIP, which accounts for uh, home runs and is able to uh, turn home runs into league average, something to that effect. But all I know is about XFIP is it does the same thing that field independent pitching does, but it it, it tries to account for uh, home runs that pitchers give up and and compare it to league average. Uh, you can check out the rest of the definition over at the Fangraphs website. But again, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Garrett Cole, Brandon Woodruff, Max Scherzer in the top five. Uh, let's see anybody. Uh, oh, oh, here we go. Eduardo Rodriguez is making an appearance here. And I, you know what I've noticed about XFIP there, Austin, uh, because I've been, I use, I, I like to play a lot with those statistics over at Fangraphs. It's, I could spend all day just breaking down and figuring out and numbering, crunching, crunching numbers over at Fangraphs. And one thing I noticed about the XFIP statistics there, Austin, is that they like to, uh, they like to take it easy on those Boston Red Sox pitchers, right? I was just I was just thinking that the fit the X fit and uh, that you know you're that's where you're seeing the Red Sox pitchers. Other than that, you don't see Red Sox pitchers anywhere. No, I mean I, I, dude, one of these days, just check out like the 93, 94, 95 uh, starting pitching list, like the just the leaderboard over at Fangraphs. And when you check out like the X fit and FIP, especially X fit, it's like a lot of it's like a lot more Red Sox pitchers than I remembered. You know, I wonder if that has to do with the fact of, or I wonder if the green monster has, has anything to do yeah. with that. It's a hitter's park. Yeah. Yeah. So it, and remember it, so it, it, uh, it basically, uh, uh, gives a little bit of leeway to those pitchers in hitters park and it penalizes those in pitcher friendly parks. But yeah. I mean, let's see here. You know, Next. the other thing that I'd like to see, and I know we don't have time for it on this episode, but I would kind of like to see, if there's a correlation between the best fielders and the best pitchers in terms of FIP and stuff like that, and see if there's a correlation as to if they're on the same team or not. Yeah, it sounds like that might be something that Fangrass might have done a long time ago. It really does. Um, nah, that's a really good question. I like to think that there isn't, but I mean, there has to be, right? Because Especially for traditional numbers, I know, I know, not the advanced stats because the advanced stats, a lot of these account for those balls in play. But you, I would imagine that it definitely does correlate in showing uh, good ERAs, good whips, you know, things of that nature. A good fielding right. team will mask uh, what what will uh, hide a lot of uh, bad pitching tendencies. Yeah, that's the 2016 Cubs, man. They had yeah. what a mid- middle of the middle of the road bullpen, but 
according to Fangraphs, uh, one Fangraphs article had that 2016 Chicago Cubs team as one of the, if not the absolute very best defensive team that was ever assembled in the history of baseball. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Cubs fan. That literally was what these guys wrote over at Fangraphs yeah. after they won the World Series. Like, That's interesting. Yeah, so... And of course, because Fangrass has such a large database of articles, I can't ever find that article ever again. But you're just <laughs> you're gonna have to take my word for it. Finally, Sierra, uh, that's the that's like a skills interactive. No, that is the skills interactive ERA. It's kind of like the other statistics, but this one accounts for balls in play. And again, you can check out the rest of the definition over at Fangrass because I will definitely butcher it. The only thing you gotta you gotta know about these statistics there, Austin, you just gotta believe. When you believe, that's when things go well. Because it involves a lot of math that none of the rest of us want to do. No, you don't want to do it. You're a math teacher. I dare you to do that to, to your students. Right? <laughs> and, and Well, you notice that I said do that to your students as opposed to teach that to your students. Yeah. Because you're, you're just like a punishment. Hey, class, yeah. I want you to figure out the FIP for uh, Julio Rias, and I want you to show me all your work and no calculators. <laughs> they can't even they, – they're not even showing me their work when I'm asking them to multiply decimals. Oh Lord, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they they Googled it or they went on uh, on Reddit and right? got the answer. So anyway, uh, Corbin Burns finishes at the top of the list in Sierra, followed by Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, Robbie Ray, Aaron Nola, so on and so forth. I mean, oh, uh, the one surprise name, Hugh Darvish, who Hugh Darvish really was awful at the end of the year. I know this because I had him on my team, um, my points league team. And I don't know, Sean, uh, be, uh, on one of the uh, most recent episodes that him and I did together on this show, did mention that uh, he did see something on Twitter that stated that you Darvish was uh, struggling a lot ever since they started cracking down on that sticky stuff. So, Well, I mean, I think a lot of pitchers were. I think it was just a matter of who was able to bounce back. People like yeah. Garrett Cole and, mm -hmm. you know, people like that. You Darvish just wasn't able to bounce back, it seems like. Yeah, and uh, he's a little bit older. And, you know, he was rattled by the Houston Astros in 2017. You could tell that his confidence was down. Took him a year and a half to get his groove back like Stella. And uh, <laughs> what kind of makes you wonder uh, if there was something to that, like there was some other form substance that he was using. So it would be pretty damn ironic if the guy who was the poster boy of why cheating is bad in baseball, he himself turns around and ends up cheating himself, which right. by the way, I'm pretty surprised that there wasn't an uproar about all these stupid ass pitchers using all this uh, illegal substances. It seemed like people were a little bit more leaning towards the pitchers than Oh, I don't know. The Houston Astros for stealing signs, which is you know what I was thinking the same thing. I thought there would be a lot of bashing of pitchers and stuff like that. And it seemed more like they were like, well, let them use this. Let them use stuff. it. OK, it's well, like, let them let them steal signs by any means necessary. Yeah. It's, it's a it's an old it's a tale as old as time. Pitchers want to talk to the ball and, and hitters want to steal signs or let it go. Like, let let this sign stealing scandal go already. It was in 2017. We're in 2021. Now we have other problems like let it go. Most of those guys aren't even on the team anymore. Yeah. And, and, and the, the ringleader of it all, Alex Cora won a championship right after, and he got a one-year suspension. The manager got another job with the Detroit Tigers. You know why they got jobs? Cause winning is all that matters by any means necessary. Okay. <laughs> That's but honestly, I thought when the cheating scandal came out, I thought people were just gonna go, eh, because that's 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 the reaction that people have now with the steroid users. We've yeah. literally seen Hall of Fame 
players get elected who were users of PEDs. And people are like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's fine. So that's why when it, when the Astros were caught with the with the whole cheating scandal, I thought, oh well, this will blow over. Nope, especially for right. the Yankee fans. Oh, the Yankee fans were pissed the fuck off. Well, so, Dodger fans too out here in California. Oh. That's all I talk. That's all I hear about from a Dodger fan is they they got to bring up the Astros, even if I'm like, dude, I was talking about the Nationals. Where did the Astros come from? <laughs> like. I, I had I, that is not where I can you know and then all oh, the nationals there I like them better because they don't bang on trash cans I'm like I wasn't even talking about the Astros dude like yeah, it became a trigger like you know hey so you see the game last night off oh, screw the Astros they're a bunch of cheaters I hope they all get their dicks chopped off like, yeah what the hell? like it was the White Sox versus the versus the twins like that was in 2017 it is now 2021 yeah, five years let it go <laughs> yeah, that's right elsa let it go but the thing about that though i think the biggest problem is that they screwed two teams they screwed the yankees and the dodgers right yeah. you got the two largest market in america and they're all joining forces to battle on the fourth largest smart tv market yeah. in america so i think that's part of the reason why it's such a hot story and whatever whatever but i just i don't it's a sport full of cheaters, history of cheaters. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's such a gray area for me. Like I, it, I'm, I'm, I grew up in the '90s. I saw all my heroes end up being the, the biggest cheaters of them all, and I guess yeah. I'm just jaded at this point. I mean, cheating's cheating no matter what. But the only the only thing that people care about is if they get caught or not. Because if they get caught, then they're forever chastised. But if they don't get caught. They get into the Hall of Fame. No problem. Whatever. Right. All right. Well, this is the best. Uh, the last column we're going to share here, the best starting pitcher of 2021. And I, I, I get caught off here, but it's basically what you, how many points you got in the advanced stats plus the strikeouts, because that's all that matters to me in this world of pitching. And Corbin Burns is your number one pitcher of 2021, followed by Zach Wheeler, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, my guy, Kevin Gossman. That's right. Uh, Robbie Ray and Brandon Woodruff. I, uh, Finish, uh, tied for six, I should say. Nathan Ovaldi finishing in eighth. Aaron Nola and Walker Bueller, Walker Bueller round out the top ten. So there you have it. The best pitchers of the 2021 campaign. So that leads us to the one thing that's probably bugging you people out there who are watching. So who's your best starting rotation of 2021? And here we are in all its glory. Let's see if I can make that bigger. Hey, look at that. Most of them did their homework. Yeah, still waiting for Melvin to uh, give me his Cy Young. And Vince is on vacation. That's why there's no Dong City tonight. Um, and, we'll give uh, Vince a pass. It's all right, Vince. Yeah, and plus, he, you know, he's an expected father. So, uh, yeah. Uh-oh. Was I supposed to say anything? Oops. Uh, he's he. I think he's talked about it. But to certain people, though. Anyway, uh, uh, awkward. <laughs> All right, so Felipe, who is your, your top six? Why did I go six-man rotation? Because everybody's going to go six-man rotation. Plus, why not? Why you only limit yourself to five pitchers when six is more than five? Corbin Burns is my ace of 2021, followed by Max Scherzer, that old crusty veteran who will never die. Garrett Cole is my AL Cy Young. Uh, for those who are audio only, I highlighted Corbin Burns in yellow uh, to digni- uh, to uh, significa. Ugh. What is wrong with me? To indicate that he is my National League Cy Young Award winner in my book, my spreadsheet book here, my Excel workbook. Zach Wheeler is my SP4. Kevin Gossman, my SP5. And Brandon Woodruff is my SP6, beating out Robbie Ray. So that's I'm pretty sure that's going to cause some controversy. But 
I can't go against uh, Brandon Woodruff, man. That's my guy. Uh, our, our guy, Sean, picked Zach Wheeler as his NL Cy Young and Garrett Cole as his AL Cy Young. He also has Jacob DeGrom as his SP6 because he's a Mets fan. So Mets fan, Homer pick. Mets fan, Homer pick. He also put in Walker Bueller because he's a Dodger fan as well. No, I'm joking. But Walker Bueller makes the list when I'm going from left to right. Austin, tell the class who you picked. So I picked, so it, it's a lot of NL pitchers and, you know, AL sprinkled in there, but mostly NL pitchers. Uh, I have my SP one and my NL Cy Young award winner going to Corbin Burns. Number two, Max Scherzer, my SP three, Brandon Woodruff, number four, Robbie Ray. And I have him as my AL Cy Young award winner. Number five, Walker Bueller in a lot of the, um, you know, in uh, Fangraphs ERA minus he was up there. Um, which Fangraphs ERA minus is the is equivalent to Baseball References ERA plus. Um, he was up there, you know, and with other things and FIP and stuff like that. He was up there, so give some love to Walker Walker Bueller. And then um, the other one that I wanted to give some love to, I needed a sixth one. I could have went, you know, I could have went Kevin Gosman. I almost picked Gosman. I could have went Cole. I almost picked Cole. But I wanted to give some love to Nathan Eovaldi simply because I think his ERA is not really reflective of the type of season that he had because I think his defense really let him down this year because, mm-hmm. like I said earlier in the podcast, he uh, his ERA was in the threes, whereas his, uh, his FIP was in the twos, which means that his defense really, really hurt him. So it'd be interesting to see where he was at if, if he had a better defense behind him when he pitched. So I'm giving some love to Nathan Eovaldi. He may not necessarily be in the top echelon, and obviously in some of the spreadsheets, or in most of the spreadsheet, he wasn't anywhere in – in the top, but I wanted to give some love to Nathan Eovaldi because he had a good season, even yeah. though he had kind of a bad, uh, kind of a bad defense behind him. Oh, that's okay, man. The Red Sox fans will remind you that Nathan Eovaldi exists, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, what was I? Okay. Uh, oh, Vince. Yeah, we're missing Vince. Uh, Henry, just uh, late arrival to the list here as he was able to come through the clutch once again. Pick Zach Wheeler as his uh, NL Cy Young winner. And again, followed by Corbin Burns and Max Scherzer. I started believing that he was just copying Sean's list. And then it got to Robbie Ray and Garrett Cole as his SP4 and SP5. And then Walker Bueller to round out the top six. Robbie Ray is Henry's um, Cy Young Award winner, as uh, he probably saw enough of Robbie Ray against the Yankees to realize that, yeah, this Robbie Ray guy, pretty damn good. I'm going to say, look at the Yankee fan not picking the Yankee. Yeah. I, well, I always say that I'm the biggest Yankee fan in this in this group, so. <laughs> I always pick the Yankees to make it to the World Series to represent the American League every single year. And I'm going to keep doing it until uh, they give me reason not to. If anything, since I'm always wrong, according to a lot of people, I'm never right about anything. That just means the Yankees are never going to win as long as I keep picking them. So, <laughs> hey, listen, America, anything to prevent the Yankees from continuing to ruin baseball, which uh, they're, it's not for lack of trying. Did you see that they're interested in not just. Corey Seager, but also Carlos Correa. They want all the shortstops. I did see that. That would be really, I just talked about it with Melvin on my podcast and we were talking about where's Carlos Correa going to go. And he said, well, if Corey Seager doesn't go, then Carla, then, then um, Carlos Correa would be a Yankee, but um, it'd be interesting to see if both of them made it. Yeah. 
Uh, and then speaking of Melvin, right there, Coburn Burns is his ace, followed by Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, Walker Buell. Yeah, that's a who's who, man. It's like it's this, it's a pretty uh, homogenized list here for good reason, with the exceptions being guys like Nathan Ovalli, I guess Brandon Woodruff. Well, Austin, you pick Brandon Woodruff, never mind. Oh, I'm the only one who picked Kevin Gossman. I'm the only one who knows and appreciates the power that is Kevin Gossman. He barely missed my list. Maybe he should be on your list now. <laughs> anyway so if you're out there be sure to let us know who you would pick as your five or six man rotation based on 2021 performance let's move on to the relief pitchers there they are in all their glory uh let's start with the holds you know holds uh, some sort of wacky statistic that i really don't care too much <sighs> trying I to still explain. Don't understand how a pitcher can get a hold i just know I that really it, it don't get it it I don't all I know is that it it, uh, it rewards middle relief pitchers uh, even late inning relief pitchers. Uh, who... like some pitchers can pitch one inning and get a hold, and other people and others can pitch three innings and get a hold. I'm like I don't understand what what qualifies as a hold. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't really care for it, but yeah, it, I mean Blake Trinan. I mean he's a pretty good pitcher. So that's all that matters is that the, the 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 really good late inning guys. Um, this is their time to shine, and this is how they get credit, even though it's kind of a random stat to some people. So um, let's see, Blake Trinan, number one. Luke Jackson of the Braves. Tyler Rogers, that's Taylor's brother. Tyler with the submarine arm action over there in San Francisco. He finishes in the top three in holds. Genesis Cabrera over at the Cardinals, and along with Giovanni Gallegos. Tyler Matzik, who just won a World Series. Devin Williams, who was the, uh, one of the better pitchers of last year. And then he was pretty darn good this year until he broke his hand. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it's Brad Boxberger, A.J. Minter, Andrew Chafin, Tyler Duffy. Yusmero Petit and Adam Adovino, the uh, ex-Yankee, ex-Rockies pitcher there now with the Red Sox. So that's the holds. Uh, so if you play fantasy baseball or you just, you know, catch a lot of games late in the late in the night and you see these guys, odds are they probably got a hold out of it. So, But the saves, those are more of the household names. Mark Melanson winning uh, the saves category title this year, I guess, for leading the league in, in saves. And uh, do I need to explain what saves are at this point? No, right? We're good. No, I don't yeah. think so. There you go. That's what I want to hear. Kenley Jansen, you know, we thought his uh, he was on the decline and he was going to have an off year. And we were just kind of waiting on uh, Bruce Star. Uh, I always butchered his name, even though he's Mexican. I think he's Mexican. Bruce Gatterall. He was supposed to replace Kenley Jansen this year, and that didn't happen. Or guys like him, because the Dodgers are usually pretty loaded in the bullpen. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm talking rambling on Liam Hendricks, Will Smith getting jiggy with it. Josh Hader, Bryce Iglesias to your surprise there, Austin. Yeah. He did, he did pitch for the angels this year, right? Yes, he did. He was the closer for the angels and I still don't understand how he's up here. Yeah. Well, he, maybe, maybe it's the thick air, the Pacific breeze out in California. The... I mean, with as bad as the pitching staff has been and with it, and he got a terrible start to the season. Yeah. Um, so I'm surprised that he ended up here at the at the top. But I mean, good for him. He's probably the prized free agent relief pitcher coming out of this, you know, free agent class. So yeah, we'll see what kind of payday he gets. Edwin Diaz, Jake McGee, Aroldis Chapman, Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes, and there's another guy. We just mentioned two Cardinals pitchers in Genesis Cabrera and uh, Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, and Alex Reyes, all three guys were competing for that closers role at the beginning of the year back in March. Alex Reyes comes out victorious, and he comes out in the top 10 for saves. So I also do a little uh, column here for holds and saves, which is kind of, it's whatever. You know, obviously there's 
I'm always looking to see if there's like a little bit of uh crossover here between holds and saves guys. There's not usually, you know, these are 10, 10 top 10 guys finished in saves, top 10 guys finished in holds. And there's no, um, there's no Venn diagram like uh, cohesion here, but Melanson wins the saves category and Blake Trinan wins this holds category. Let's go to ERA for the relief pitchers. If my laptop decides to cooperate, there's your guy, Aaron loop finishing with the relief pitching ERA, uh, ERA crown finishing in first followed by Josh Hader, our guy, Emmanuel Classe, Andrew Kittridge, Kendall Graveman round out the top five. And if you want to check out the rest of these lists, check out our YouTube page later or join us live when we're here to share screens and spreadsheets. Anyway, I noticed that a couple of guys are here the, uh, from your list are here on the top 10 in ERA. Is that what you know? Is that what you did over there? Just go who was leading the league in ERA and just went with that. I did not. I looked more into the um, I really looked into the FIP and the, you know, ERA minus on on fan graphs and stuff. Uh, Those were the guys that were kind of up there were class A and Hater and Loop and Kittrich was up there. And so and I figured Kittrich wasn't going in. I the last few shows that we've had, it seemed like that we, a lot of lists were very similar. So for this pitchers one, I was like, let's pick somebody who had a good season. That's probably not going to be on anybody else's list. And I feel like Kittrich was going to be one of those. So I focused on Kittrich. Oh, well, good job over there. Trying to be different. I mean, you can't go wrong with these guys anyway. So yeah. uh, Blake Trinan finishing out the top 10 in ERA to, so he gets the points for the holds and the points for the ERA. Let's go for the whip, which is if you're uh, if you play fantasy baseball, this is where you get those minuscule whips from these relief pitchers. This is how you make up for the fact that you got a bunch of uh, high ERA starting pitchers. You get a bunch of relief pitchers that will save your your whip category. And sure enough, Liam Hendricks at the top of the list, followed by Josh Hader, Giovanni Gallegos for the Cardinals. That's, I mean, the Cardinals. That's why they got the wild card uh, and were able to go on that what that crazy. 19 game winning streak or 21 game. I forgot how many games they won. Yeah, it was something crazy. I mean, they, I mean, they were, they got the most guys to win uh, gold glove awards in the history of the game. And they had three very good relief pitchers that I just mentioned that can come in the late innings and just lock down those uh, victories for them. Uh, Chad green, uh, a mainstay on the, uh, on these lists. Uh, we've kind of been on the dip and, and, and on the decline lately, but he's still making his mark and finishing in the top 10 in whip. And then Ryan Tapera, who kind of had a bounce back year with the Cubs and then with the White Sox. Jake McGee uh, became a, a stalwart uh, closer for the Giants. Uh, a big reason why they were able to win uh, the National League West against all odds. Uh, anybody that I may have name or not name on this whip category that you want to talk about there, Austin? I think what I want to talk about is the fact that we're, I think we're getting to a point where relief pitching is very diversified and it's very, um, it's a very niche type of, of (laughs) position. You have your strikeout guys, you have your save guys, you have your guys that don't allow anybody to get on base because of, because in, in this spreadsheet, we've seen, we haven't seen very many common names, right? A different Cardinals pitcher is up here. You've got Chad Green up here, who hasn't who hasn't been up here. You have down at the bottom, or down uh, at the bottom there, tied. You have Richard Rodriguez. You have Andrew Chafin, who we haven't seen. Tyler Wells, who we haven't seen. Like so, these it's really showing how diversified the relief pitching position is. 
and really just how many relief pitchers and good relief pitchers that there are in certain situations. I mean, this list goes 45 deep last year. I think, I think last year went almost 60 just because of, like you mentioned the diversity uh, and the more than one way to get the job done uh, attitude for relief pitching is so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, that's a really good point that you made there, that how to diversify. And the numbers show that. That's why there's so many guys listed here uh, on this list. Let's go for strikeouts. It should be the same guy. Yeah, Liam Hendricks, Paul Seawald, who uh, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Here we Rice. go with it. again, though. We ain't seen Paul Seawald in any of the rest of these, yeah. in, in, those, in the rest of this spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, who will become a, uh, a mainstay on these spreadsheets. Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, bounce back season uh, to round out the top five. And there's Chad Green again, you know, making his presence felt once again, making sure people don't forget about him at number six. Uh, so let's see. There were, yeah, 10 pitchers listed here. Uh, who's the guy that you were kind of scratching your head that he made it this far? Um, Hector Neris, probably. Uh-huh. Yep. Hector Neris jumps out. But the other thing that jumps out at me is now this isn't low because he's what eight, but um, Araldis Chapman, the fact that seven people beat him in relief pitcher strikeouts. Um, I mean, re- remember when every, all anybody could talk about was, you know, Araldis Chapman and how fast he threw and how many strikeouts he can get and nobody can touch him. And he was at the top of every relief pitching leaderboard. And now he's the only place he shows up is in K's and he's in eighth. Yeah. I know he was hurt. He was hurt for a, a big chunk of the season. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's how good he is that he was able to sneak into the top 10 in two categories, saves and strikeouts. But uh, yeah, he, the rate stats are not very friendly towards him at all. So, uh, and then the last category that I, I have here is the four by five heroes. Again, just like uh, we did with the starting pitchers, uh, you know, Fantasy baseball purposes for a relief pitcher, you're looking for saves, ERA, whip, and strikeouts. And the number one guy, relief pitcher, so to speak, to get you four out of those five categories, not including wins, because you know, wins who drafts a pitcher for wins anyway? <laughs> or, I'm sorry, a relief pitcher for, for wins in fantasy baseball. But Josh Hader finishes number one uh, on the four by five heroes list, followed by Liam Hendricks, Rysel Iglesias, Chad Green. Uh, again, guys who uh, didn't get the saves, but they are able to get the low whip and the, and, the, and the high strikeout amounts. So some people would say that, hey, sometimes that is a lot better. Um, that that's uh, it, it, just as good or as efficient as getting the guys who can get the saves. Uh, well, and there are enough people rese- um, uh, represented up here that are going to get you saves. So if you're looking at this from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, you're going to, you have Josh Hader, you have Liam Hendricks, you have Aaron or Aaron loop. You've got rice, Iglesias, you've got Kimbrell. You've got these guys that are going to rack up saves for you. If they're on the right team, um, obviously they, um, the white Sox just picked up Kimbrell's option. So he'll probably be the eighth inning guy, but um, you know, you're, there's there's enough people that is going to get you a save. Somebody like a Chad Green will probably give you that extra little that extra little push in, in the relief pitching for you know anything else that the starting pitching is not giving you, whether it be WHIP or ERA or something like that. Yeah, uh, and it goes back to your whole notion about the diversification. We're seeing a lot of different names here, not necessarily. Yeah traditional closers. I mean, Paul Sewell is a name, Aaron loop, 
you know, he's plays with the Mets. He he's teammates with Edwin Diaz and he's able to sneak into the top 10 because of his very low ERA. So, uh, so that's that. Those are the more traditional fantasy, traditional stats that people are always citing. Now we get to look at the advanced stats, starting out with wins above replacement, according to fan graphs, Liam Hendricks, number one, Josh Hader, number two, Ryan Presley makes his first appearance. Number three, Jonathan Loizia also making the list. Uh, and then Craig Campbell and Giovanni Gallegos run out the top five, uh, along with Emmanuel Classe, because there was a three-way tie for fifth place. Uh, names that we haven't seen yet, Scott Barlow. Scott Barlow. So uh, anybody, anybody you want to talk about uh, on this F4 list? Who the hell is Scott Bar- Scott Barlow? Uh, Kansas City Royals. Kansas City oh. Royals. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like the, again, different names depending on what statistic you look at. There's a different guy up there. Yeah, I know he was trying to vie for some save opportunities on Kansas City. It just he was just too darn valuable, even for the Royals who have no business trying to win as many games as they did. But I yeah. guess he was just too valuable and late inning relief to. Uh, uh, to be put in as a permanent closer, I think. I think Greg Holland was the closer. I think I, so. I think. I think you're right. Uh, whatever the case, I mean, if you're if you're looking for a closer for the Royals, yeah, for fantasy purposes, you pretty much uh, screwed yourself there. Uh, FIP once again, feel independent pitching doesn't matter who's behind you because this guy's going to strike out everybody in sight. Josh Hader, number one in the hood, followed by Ryan Presley, Emmanuel Classe, Colin McHugh, and Liam Hendricks would run up the top five. Uh, anybody on the top 10 that shows up? Uh, your guy, Andrew Kittrich, Jonathan Loisia. Yep. And there's Aaron. There you go. Aaron Loop and Edwin Diaz uh, right there on uh, making the top 10 in FIP. Yep. So a uh, different guy up there, Colin McHugh. Um, he's only been up here a couple times in the uh, in the spreadsheet, but Colin McHugh had a good season in his own right. Um, mm-hmm. As yes, I believe he was the long, he was the long relief guy for the, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, Credit to, I mean, this, this spreadsheet is riddled with closers. And for the fact that to the fact that uh, Colin McHugh is able to get up here as a long relief guy in FIP shows he's got a pretty good season. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I use them for fantasy baseball purposes. Like, why would I do that? Well, I'm in a category league that has a lot of rate stats and accounts for holds. Now he didn't get the holds, but he gave you minuscule ERA and minuscule whip. Then he got hurt and then he got shelled and then he was no good to me anymore. So uh, that was very late in the year. Uh, shoulder problems, I believe, or forearm tension, something something like that. But uh, the thing that kind of catches my eye is that Edwin Diaz and Aaron Loop are here tied together, and the Mets still suck. I just don't get it. <laughs> well, I mean, we've talked. I think it's been very um... – I think it's been very public that I don't think it's necessarily their pitching, even though they do have some, some struggles with pitching. It's their, it's their run support. They don't mm-hmm. have the offense. So, I mean, we, we've already seen the best hitters. You didn't see very many Mets. Mm-hmm. No, you know, no, where, you're right about that. Yeah. Whereas here, at least you're seeing some Mets. You saw Stroman up here. You, you know, you see Diaz, you see loop, you see, you know, DeGrom. those guys, DeGrom, you're seeing these guys up there. Whereas offense, those guys are nowhere to be found. And you only see the Grom here because Sean wanted him there. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that always gonna it's always gonna bother me that that team is loaded with talent and they can't do anything with it. And they just saw two. We talked about this, right? Two division rivals win championships in the last two, uh, the last uh, two out of the three seasons. 
Right. So, yeah, that's inexcusable. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, and not just the fact that the Mets, as we go off another tangent here, not just that the fact that the Mets have all this talent, they, they don't utilize their quality, but they also, ha- they seem to have a tendency to have a lot of key guys get injured constantly. Yes. So now you got to wonder, okay, who is running? The- I know that's always, that was a big controversy between Yankee fan and Mets fan. So they, all right, why, why can you guys get a, a, a competent medical staff to get these guys back on the mend and yeah. get them out there and ready to go again? So I don't know. But every time I think about the Mets, I can't stop. I can't help but think about the New Orleans Pelicans who were notorious, notorious for having guys just constantly injure Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday forever and a day. And you know what happened over there? We found out was the owner, Tom Benson, uh, who also owns the New Orleans Saints. Well, to save money, he would just bring in some of the Saints medical staff to um, to uh, what do you call it? Um, help out in the Pelicans medical staff to save some money. I mean, I mean, it's safe to say that different athletes who play different sports need different treatment, right? Right. I mean, would you want a football medical staffer uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with you? Would you after you got a baseball injury? I don't know. I probably not. I probably wouldn't. So uh, it's, it's just so weird. And then they, they, cause with football, it's a week to week thing. And like, all right, well, we're, we're going to do whatever it takes to get you back. And, and the other sports like baseball and basketball, it's a longer season. So it's right. more of a, a, a slow and steady wins the race mentality. But anyway, uh, again, tangent XFIP, Liam Hendricks. Look at all the basketball references that we're having. Where's the step back hosts? Uh, Jacob and Leon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, how's my fantasy team? No, I'm just joking. Uh, are you in the basketball group there, Austin? I don't think I ever see you in the basketball group. No, I'm not in the basketball group. I don't really watch basketball. I, I mean, I, I don't watch it enough to say anything intelligent. All right. Well, it sounds like I'm going to have to invite you anyway. All right. So X, <laughs> Liam Hendricks, Rice Ellie Glaciers, uh, number two, Josh Hader, number three, Ryan Presley, number four. Emmanuel Classe, number five, and so on and so forth. Craig Kimball shows up in the top 10 again. Aaron Bummer, another White Sox pitcher, shows up in the top 10. Richard, you mentioned it, just guys, a variety and uh, a, a slew of different guys right here to finish out the top 10. Aaron Bummer, Richard Blyer, Tim Meza, and Brooks Raley. Brooks Raley, I think he, uh, we talked about him being on the Astros. Yeah. Tim Meza just seems to be a guy who sneaks into a lot of these lists. Um, so yeah, lots of variety here. And my favorite statistics, Sierra skills, interactive ERA, Liam Hendricks, right? So the Iglesias, Josh Shader. I mean, it's the same guys at the top, Craig Kimbrough, Ryan Presley. And then you get to the bottom half of the top 10, Paul Sewell, Emmanuel Classe, Matt Barnes. First time we're seeing his name, Yeah, Richard, Richard Blyer and Daniel Hudson. We just talked about the Washington nationals. That's the guy who made the final out. Didn't he? Yes. I forgot who he struck out. Was it? Oh, I don't remember. That's been a couple of years ago. Carlos Correa. Oh, but you haven't gotten over it there. Oh, (laughs) or you you did get over it. Okay. Yeah. I got other, I got other things to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. Like teaching kids how to uh, calculate Sierra properly so you can better understand it. Exactly. Have them do your work. Exactly. Right. I should have them do my podcast, podcast uh, research. It'd be (laughs) much easier on my day. 
be much easier on my day, but I don't trust your kids to know their way around a spreadsheet. So I don't, I don't trust mine either. So <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get those angry letters from your parents or from your uh, students' parents there. Right. <laughs> so the final column on this uh, spreadsheet before we finish up the show here, all we got was one more spreadsheet to show you. And then we're done. We're going to call it an, uh, call it a night here is the best relief picture of 2021 based on the holds and saves metric that I used up here. Right. Right. Uh, what else did I use? Strikeouts right there. This column right here. And all four of these rack up the points. And with 54 big points, Liam Hendricks is your winner. The closer of closers, the relievers are relievers. Nothing says you are in trouble because my, I just brought out my number one ace pitcher out of the bullpen. Then Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader, who uh, has been one of the more uh, dominant relief pitchers also makes uh, makes a top five appearance, top three appearance once again. Josh Hader finishing at number two. Rysel Iglesias is the big surprise here, finishing at number three on this list, followed by Ryan Presley, Craig Kimbrell, Emmanuel Classe, Paul Seawald, Giovanni Gallagos, Edwin Diaz, Mark Melanson, and Blake Trinan to round out the top ten. Um, and I think we pretty much talked about uh, most of these guys, unless you want to have uh, one final say about this spreadsheet or any of these guys that are listed here. I think I've said enough about this spreadsheet All for right. this last little bit. <laughs> All right. Let's finish off the strong. I, and I can't believe how black and white my spreadsheet here looks. You know why, why I went this color scheme right there, Austin? Why? You know, because Liam Hendricks, Liam Hendricks colors, man. He plays for the White Sox. Well, there you go. He's the best relief pitcher in 2021. Didn't you know that? Yes, apparently so. Yeah, you barely got him in as your number six closer. What the hell, man? <laughs> How is that possible? And then Henry and Melvin and Felipe, we all know what's up, man. We all know what's up. Number one in the hood. Still waiting on Sean and Vince to give us uh, their top six. I'm top a little five, biased towards Josh Hader because he helped me co- rack up all the saves on my fantasy team. And that's okay. That's a guy you're seeing on this on everybody's list of five. So Leon, Leon Hendricks, Josh Hader. Uh, Rice Lee Glaces made my I wasn't going to put him, but I mean, it's hard to argue with the top 10 finishes that he had. So I put him on the list, followed by Craig Kimbrell, kind of a, you know, nice little story there. A guy who we thought was done and couldn't find location and command was able to get his groove back. Although once he got to the White Sox, he started to suck again. But that's another story for another time. Ryan Presley and Emmanuel Classe. Uh, these actually one, two. Three, Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, Emmanuel Class A, special place in my heart. They helped me finish number one in regular season win loss record in the baseball life fantasy baseball league. Well, there you go. Yeah, there I go. Uh, Austin, of course, he's he like promised. He said that he was gonna uh, go a uh, little bit different. So he got Josh Hader, Aaron Loop, Emmanuel Class A. That's fine. And then Andrew Kittrich, Colin McHugh, and uh, Liam Hendricks as a sixth best relief pitcher. But I think you mentioned why you went that route, right? Already ERA minus yeah. and all that. Yeah, I went. I went that route. Yeah, Liam Hendricks was really, really good. I mean, if I had to do this list again, he'd probably go a little higher. But I was really focusing on, you know, because there's so many different guys yeah. in in relief pitching. Like, I mean, if you gave me this relief this this really this bullpen i would be really happy for 2021 you had aaron loop who had a good season in his own right he showed up on the spreadsheet a little bit colin McHugh, we've i mean he had a really great whip for a long relief pitcher give give me him for long relief andrew kittrich i mean 
it, you can't go wrong with anybody in that raise in that raise bullpen. Uh, Liam Hendricks, obviously, with Josh Hader, was one of the best closers in in baseball this year. And Emmanuel Classe is on uh, other lists here um, with the other Baseball Life podcast um, hosts. So. I mean, it is a little bit of a different list. I kind of looked at, you know, ERA minus and uh, FIP and stuff like that. But again, there was so many guys on these lists. I think it was really hard to choose yeah. who was the best among all. Obviously, the only names that we saw the whole time were Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks. Yeah, basically, pretty much. Uh, Emmanuel Classe started showing up for everybody as well. I mean, he's on my list. He's on your list. He's on Henry's list. The one name that kind of sticks out for Henry is Jonathan Loisia. It makes it seem like it was a Homer pick, but I mean, we saw the numbers. I mean, really hard to argue. Against. Yeah. He had, he had a good season for the Yankees bullpen in his own right. Damn. Yeah. It's exactly are all this Chapman. I mean, maybe as a top 10 pitcher, you can make an argument as a top six of 2021. I don't know. So maybe a little bit of Yankee bias, but, you know, again, he's a mainstay for many years and maybe he's thinking that Henry's thinking that, Hey, you know, had he been healthy, he would have probably finished in the top five easily once again in his rightful place. So maybe uh, Ryan Presley makes Henry's list as well. A little bit of Astros love from Henry. It's going to let that simmer there. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Henry is a big Yankees fan. Of course, you know, you watch Song city every week when they're here. Uh, Melvin went with, Pretty much the same as my list, uh, even though he didn't see my list beforehand. But Liam Hendricks, Josh Hader, Rice Hill says he agrees with you on Aaron Loop and a little bit of a homer pick with Andrew Chafin. But I mean, Andrew Chafin finished top 10 in the holds category. And that's it. I'm sorry. What was that? I'm sorry. I said, yes, he did. Yeah, all right. Well, that's it. That's the spreadsheets that we had to show you. That's the best pitchers of 2021, according to uh, Austin and I. And that is a good place to stop. Austin, thank you for once again showing up on the airwaves. Really appreciate it uh, on a Wednesday night. Thank you for having me. I, I always appreciate coming on here and uh, always like talking a little more statistic uh, statistics, uh, which is a little bit different from, I mean, I talk statistics on my show, but it's a, yeah. it's a little different. Yeah. And that's, that's just a different perspectives. You know, uh, I know uh, uh, Sean, uh, I, Sean would have loved this episode to, uh, to do, be on this episode because pitching is just like his thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't have that kind of patience with pitchers uh, unless it's relief pitchers, but that's because I love relief. I love talking about relief pitchers because number one, they don't get the love that they deserve. Right. But number two, it's like, it's, it's just so, it's, it's so simple. Just throw the ball as hard as you can strike yeah. out a bunch of guys and, and, and and you know they they get they're the they're the biggest clutch people ever, right? You know, the starter messes up, they left the bases loaded. Here comes the big hulking mass of an arm out of the bullpen to shut down that door, and they do it more often than not. Yes. So that's that's why. But but in terms of starting pitchers, I I just don't have the patience for them. I I don't like talking about starting pitchers, um, unless it's about strikeouts, and I'm all for it. But the way uh, Sean would have been talking about release points and how the fastball rises and how the changeup dips and how, how the breaking balls break and that that would have it would have been a very Statcast filled um, scouty uh, episode and and the point was just to show you how a different even us stats folks view the world of baseball I guess is what I'm trying to say here right uh, any last words where can they find you. 
Uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, so first I'll plug my show. So I am, uh, the host of the round trippers podcast. Uh, you can find me on Spotify and Google podcasts and anywhere else that you probably are listening to podcasts. You can also, uh, join the discussion with me on baseball life. If you're not on the baseball life group, go ahead and join it. And you can talk with me and Felipe on a daily basis about everything that has to do with baseball. Um, I talk pretty much anything that has to do with baseball, not just MLB. Uh, last, uh, the last episode, I just talked with Melvin about uh, the winter leagues and some uh, international baseball. And then um, I'm going to be talking a little more stats uh, in the next episode. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, you can also join the discussion with me on Twitter at round underscore trippers. Um, and the final, and then you can also find me uh, in pop culture life. Um, I am the, I guess you want to call it the producer, but I'm also <laughs> going to be the host or I'm going to be ho uh, part of the discussion in these next uh, few episodes where we are going to talk the best winter holiday movie of all time. It, the bracket has started and matchups have started. We're three matchups down and, um, yeah, it's really exciting. A lot of cool discussion. So if you're a movie buff, you're not in uh, pop culture life yet. If you're really a music buff or anything about um, pop culture, go ahead and go over to pop culture life um, and join the discussion there. The final comment I'd like to have is on the eve of Veterans Day on the 11th day, the 11th hour and oh. all of that. I would like to thank all of the veterans. Um, you uh, are really a staple in this country. You are really part of what makes this country great and why we are able to have podcasts like these. And we are free to talk about baseball like we talk about baseball. So to all the veterans out there, thank you very much. And a special shout out to um, my father. Uh, my father served eight years in the army and I want to uh, extend a special thank you to my father. So dad, thank you. Oh man, I, that's good stuff. I did not know that about your father. Yeah. Uh, did he serve any wars? Uh, he was in Desert Storm. Oh, the original uh, Iraqi War. Yeah, man. Well, uh, well, I do think your dad, long distance for his service, and everybody else. I, 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 I didn't. I, it, it's. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's. You know, with me, I just talked about the Astros being a great area for me. Right. Uh, this the the military is a great area, but man, the thing, the sacrifices that those folks take in year after year after year it's um it's 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 pretty heartbreaking but it's a sacrifice that we all should appreciate because you know i'm not i'm not going to war you're not going to war anytime soon right. only war i want to talk about is wins about replacements so <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also extend my my warmest thanks to all the veterans out there all my friends who serve in this country uh, i have a lot of good personal friends uh, who are still buddies of mine and they served as well while i was in college so i mean you could say that without them, I wouldn't have fulfilled my educational career or dreams or whatever. So it's a, it's a heck of a sacrifice. So salute to all the veterans out there uh, tomorrow on Veterans Day. Uh, what was the last thing I wanted to say? Uh, we're down. This is we're down to one more show. I, I The more I think about it, the more I want to um, definitely finish up on Sunday. So catch us then. Uh, live here on the baseball live facebook group and that will be the last show of november in time for the holiday so enjoy it because we're gonna you're gonna miss us when we're gone 
always. <laughs> and you can also find me on Twitter at pathological underscore the letter H, the number eight. We'll be back on Sunday. For Austin, I am Felipe. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. I'll give some.